Welcome to another episode of The DM on Light the Fight podcast. Um, Heidi is the, the M, I'm the D. She's the mother, I'm the Dave. I don't know, I'm just talking trash now. Let's get to it. So if you're new listening to the DM, DM is just where we uh, take some questions from listeners and try to like not screw up your life that bad with our response. So if the responses don't work, it was Heidi's idea. <laughs> that is not true. I'm never oh, wait, the response I'm the person. You are always the response person. <laughs> I'm the one who's legally responsible for the That's right. Okay. I do not have. Actually, maybe just give a disclaimer right now. Like, please seek medical attention. Or what? what is the disclaimer you had to use on the radio show? Oh, on the radio show, it was like, yeah, this is not professional counseling advice <laughs> or something like that. Technically, we, we could put that on the disclaimer, but we're not a radio company. What are they going to sue? Like, <laughs> they can shut us down. Yeah, they can shut us down, but that's about it. Well, like I said, welcome to DM. we got a question. Um, Heidi, why don't you kick it off and share the question with so us? So here's, here's what's interesting. About, Heidi takes a lot of questions. You try to put them together sometimes because you get a lot of similar ones, right? Well, and, and that is interesting. And I always say, you know, we're more alike, more alike than we are different. And what's interesting is that... This week, there's kind of been this topic, and like I said, I never tell David what the topics are, and I kind of come and we we dive right in. So if you can't tell, we're super unscripted. Really? <laughs> I know that might be shocking. I thought we were super professional, <laughs> like the way I say dude all the time, and yeah. like, and yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. So this week, and, and this is a topic that is, I think, every mom can will be able to relate to this topic with concern and it will be very about dads we have guy listeners oh, too i always say that we are talking to dad welcome to the dads let's have a special welcome for all the dads great job like great the job dad. like the dad podcast great job for um clicking on the link that your wife emailed you Hey, and now. <laughs> hey, it's you know it's, I, I believe it's gender neutral that's podcast. right you're right it's true yeah Okay, sorry, dads. I didn't mean to offend you. Okay, so parents will always be concerned about the relationships between their siblings. Without fail, <clears throat> we see ourselves and our siblings and the struggles that we had with our siblings as we grew up in our kids, and we wish, like anything, that we could help them get along and understand what amazing, valuable assets they are to each other. In fact, last week, so when, as we're recording this right now on um, this last week, it was National Siblings Day on social media. And if you're not on social media, you're like, what the what? But it's a thing that I guess like prompts people to post, right? So you always have to dig out your embarrassing photos of your siblings and post them, which I did. And so if you want to go to my Instagram, you can see it. Uh, actually, I only posted it on my stories, so it was pretty temporary. But anyway, um, I grew up with four siblings. I was the oldest. Therefore, stuck babysitting. I had to do all the dishes. I had to clean all three bathrooms. I, like, my life was the worst. And my siblings' lives were perfect. And they could, they were completely incapable, couldn't do anything, and I had to do everything, right? So that was just kidding. And they loved it when you told them <laughs> what to do, right? Oh, they were so... In fact, we the big thing we used to do is when my mom would leave, the game was to lock each other out. 
And so we'd spend like hours trying to get back in the house. And so it was like survivor for siblings or something like that. Anyway, <laughs> so funny. I have been thinking about it because it was National Sibling Day. And I will tell you right now, I growing up, um, I struggled with my siblings and I don't, I don't know, like I do know families that have like the siblings just love each other. And I've always been super jealous of that. <clears throat> when I was young, I did not get along easily with my siblings. There was a lot of fighting. Um, when I was 12, I have a six year old brother who, who was killed in an accident and it was horrible because I felt so much guilt about how I had treated him. Um, and I remember vividly, and I wasn't really planning on sharing this, but I remember vividly standing in ICU over my little brother's body, just his broken little body, and the social worker giving me this opportunity to apologize to, to him for all the mean things that I had done or f felt like I had done in, in his short little life of me being the mean big sister and trying to put him to bed when he didn't want to go to bed and pick up his stuff because I was responsible for him or, or whatever. Um, and then I remember my youngest sister, super annoying, didn't want to come in my room, didn't want to sit by me, like obviously didn't really learn my lesson. Ugh. Um, and I can, I can remember you guys. And this was, this was, a this was a low. My, my little sister was like in fourth or fifth grade and I was 16. I don't know what the math is. I'm like, and my mom said, I need you to come to the elementary at 110. I'm going to write you a note to get you out of school. I need to be at the elementary at 110. I was like, why? She's like, I just need you to do it. So she wrote me the note. I came to the elementary. It was my it was my little sister's fourth grade program and it was, it was an assembly and my little sister stood up and they called me up and my sister read the letter about how I was her hero. And I was like, I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst. Because I had not been like, get out of my room. <laughs> you know, like, don't look at me. Don't touch my stuff. Don't use my brush. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like You weren't the happy, polite teenager? No. Mm -mm. And uh, anyway, now my brother and my sister are like my two favorite people on this planet. I would do anything for them any second. And, and I know they would do the same for me. And um, so we did grow out of it. Our brains developed. But... Uh, being a sibling is, is hard. So, so one of the things, and you know, as a parent of, of five children with, I mean, I don't even think that you could like map out on a grid more different personalities than my kids. They're like, Whew. but man, they're like precisionly, like they, they just can poke each other in with such perfection and provoke and demean and anger each other so perfectly it's it's astounding it's like a, like an art form so this this individual um has this been on my mind this particular dm came in and um she said 
very interesting, you know, she's got three kids, girl, boy, girl, and the son, she explains is, is good, loving, respectful with his older sister, but belittling, domineering, negative, hurtful to the younger sister. And then when he gets in trouble, blames it on her, you know, so obviously there's dynamic happening. Um, she says, it seems like he wants her to be miserable and fail. Um, and then she says, she is the younger sister, very, fairly strong and resilient and won't take it most of the time. So it's constant screaming, fighting arguments over absolutely anything. They both come to us wanting to resolve their conflicts take and, and want us to take sides. We try not to, but when you see a real wrong happening, it's hard not to get sucked in. When I ask my son to resolve the issue he has with his sister, um, he starts the shame game. You don't care. You love her more. I don't matter. Um, this is the boy saying that. Right? Yeah. And then says things like, she hates me. You know, I'm not, I'm not smart, you, just, you know, and, and, and then kind of when he gets in trouble, spirals into self-deprecation type behavior. Um, you know, obviously the mom kind of in this DM is saying, you know, all the wonderful qualities about him. It's not like he's a bad kid. It's not like he's a bad person. Um, but what she's saying is, how do I get my kids to respect each other? How, how can we build relationships with siblings? Maybe that, that's the question. And um, obviously, David, you know from the history in our family, and, and, I'll, and we say this all the time, my boys, best of friends, worst of enemies. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of how it was um, with my older boys. And, um, and I feel like some of that learned behavior has kind of trickled down I know that sibling rivalry has always been a, a, a huge topic in every, from the dawn of time, right? And so it's it's super complicated question. Um, but do you have any kind of, uh, not quick fixes, any of your simple <laughs> nuggets for um, building sibling relationships? Well, this is a good one because it gives me a chance to flex some of my family therapy muscles. Um, I wish you could. I wish we had a video so you could see David flexing because he's <laughs> family he's, therapy le- muscles. He's legitly flexing Jeez. over there. All right. <laughs> yeah, that was a joke. Not a good joke, but yeah, I wasn't really trying to flex family <laughs> therapy muscles. But no, a lot of the stuff we've talked about have been like you know More about parenting. this one kid yeah. or like a one situation. So um, yeah, so there's definitely so. But so frankly, f- the dynamic of yeah, siblings yeah, yeah. can throw can no, cause no. anxiety and depression and throw off. Tell you what, everything, man. Even when parenting is on point, the siblings can screw up. I, I don't know what DCFS would say here, but I know back in the days when I used to work with CPS in, in Southern California, and sibling abuse that was reported was a very big issue, a very big issue. So it can get pretty heated. In some families, obviously, that's worst case scenario. Um, well, one time my brother hit me with a drill in the back. But if you deserved it, I uh, well, I mean, I probably did. I'm not saying I didn't, but I'm just saying there was a really big mark. He yeah, got, his intention, he his intent was not to hit you that hard. 
Um, no, so real quick. Sorry, no, I totally so, added my brother. So, so real but. quick, just just a basic concept, and this just it's easy to understand this with siblings, but this is just people in general because what happens is. If you want your kids to have a different perception of one another, you're sitting here in the perception as a full-grown woman saying, now my siblings are like my besties. Back then, we wanted to kill each other. It's totally normal. You'll get through it. Problem is, when you're going through it as a parent, it's very stressful. And depending on how bad their brawls and their fights are, and depending how bad your marriage is or other things are, it could be, you know, it could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it can bring out the worst of parents. It can cause you to say mean, ugly things to your kids. It can cause kids to say mean, ugly things to one another, even though it may start out as a simple fight. So something very simple to do um, is a little quick, like little high-low group, and I'll explain this in just a second, um, at your house with your kids. I've taught this one to a lot of people, but let me give you a little background why it works so well. So here's the background behind this. People are usually going to be, if you want your kids to change a perception of one another, it's easier for them to change a perception of one another when they're in a conversation, not when they're in an argument. So that's why I said pretty simple for just people in general. Changing my mind when you're yelling at me or when you're criticizing me or whether you're attacking me for one reason or another or trying to prove that you're right, you're not going to change my mind about anything. I, I'm going to bow out and be like, okay, cool, whatever, great. I'm not going to sit there and argue with anyone, but you're not going to change my mind. Now, in a conversation, if I hear someone sharing from the most honest sincerity in their heart and mind, and they're just talking about where they're coming from, even if I don't agree with their point of view, even if I don't necessarily think that they're right in all these aspects, it's going to be easier for me to find commonality with them simply because they're having a conversation with me about something that's important to, to, to them. They're not trying to sell me, but I'm buying them. They're not trying to sell me on a way I should believe or think, but I am buying that they're being genuine and they're just sharing how they feel. That's not offensive to me. Mm -hmm. If someone shares with me how they feel about their week and the struggles they went through, they're going to influence with me a lot more, meaning I'm more likely to be patient and kind with them if they realize they had a rough week. So this same thing happens with kids. So I'll tell parents to go home. Um, some people do it in their classrooms if they're teachers. Some people do it, you know, in their church groups. Uh, parents is where I mostly start doing this with. Is what you do is you start a conversation, a consistent conversation. Pick a day, pick a time period that you're doing it because it's it's just an exercise and a practice, not because it's a punishment, not because there's a problem that that created this to happen. So for example, let's say um, Monday night. Let's say you guys like to have a family dinner and some parents were trying to do something in the Mormon culture here called family home evening. And we've joked about family home evening before, but if you're not familiar with family home evening is, um, we joke about, say, it's like scheduling a fight. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. When, I, they, when they talk about church <laughs> basketball, it's like the only uh, game that starts, the only fight that starts with a prayer. That's right. right? <laughs> Um, there's a lot of things in the Mormon culture that's like an inside joke. And one of the inside jokes is that family home evening, sometimes with the greatest spiritual intentions, it's made to have some sort of gospel study, family time um, on a Monday night. Well, what parents were doing, they were realizing that their greatest need in their family at the particular moment 
was not the gospel study that they got the night before. Their greatest need is for everybody to just be nicer to each other and connect and be around each other. So what I had them implement doing is a higher low family get together. So they'd sit around after dinner, they'd do their dinner, whatever. The parents would incentivize them a little bit. Like some of the kids were younger. It's like, hey, you know, after dinner, we'll do this. And then after this, we have your favorite dessert. Kids like, ah, you know, got a great dessert, right? Carrot in front of them. And all they'd simply do is they'd say, okay, little Johnny, let's Please say Please don't four. make carrot dessert. Okay, I'm sorry. I put a carrot in front of their face. Like, well, I know, but like cookies. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely more, I'm, I'm the cookie monster. Chocolate I'm just, cookies all I'm just teasing. Um, so then what they do is they go around, but the parents have to start first. It's really helpful if the parents start first. You have to model it for them. You say your highs, lows, and who the heck knows? You're not sure, right? You leave one category as like a to be continued. It's like an and or an or, right? And what you start out with is the f- parent that goes first will be like, okay, listen, um, here's some of my highs this week. It was a high for me to see my daughter's performance. Like, and you point out the girl, like this really made me happy because I know how hard you worked on it. You were worried if it was going to go right. Your daughter may have heard you say, I'm proud of you. I'm excited. But during the whole entire event, she saw you stressed, pissed off, worried. How come the outfits aren't right? Like she saw you in mom mode. So she may not have connected all these things you're running around doing as that was a good experience for you. She might have related to that. You don't like doing those things when in reality, you're just like super controlling Heidi and you want it to go perfect <laughs> in that particular way. You're not controlling it every way, just in making things look right. Okay. So, and I'm using Heidi as the example here with magic. kids. I don't know kids. how anybody would ever think that I don't like <laughs> spending the entire day at a dance competition. A little inside joke between Saturday. Heidi and I. She, she shared a, a lot of her free time was not free. <laughs> So, so Heidi goes first in this situation. She shares this for some of my highs. Then she says some of my lows. I felt like I was a bad mom this week because I only cooked dinner for you guys one time. And this a similar situation happened where a mom expressed some of her lows was her own. She wasn't liking herself. She was unhappy with something. She noticed really quick that the kids were like, mm-hmm. like they perked up. She thought it was just like, I thought everybody knew I was mad about that. No, they're playing video games and saw Like everybody's got their own thing. Thing about the shame game is we're all playing the shame game, but we only keep track of our own game. Like we only keep track of how many people trigger our shame. We don't walk around going, okay, how many times have I pissed people off unintentionally (laughs) or by accident? You're only keeping track and keeping score of how many times people have offended you. They've hurt you this, that, and the other. But when you go and you do a higher low like this, this mom said things that she was insecure about. She felt that she didn't do good. And then even some of the younger kids are like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like now I'm starting to understand why mom's acting this way because she's really disappointed and sad. And then she gets frustrated. We're getting the frustration. We're not getting the sadness. Dad, we practiced this. By the way, we did this in my office. So for those of you listening, you can just, you don't have to come see me to do this. But we did it in my office with the kids a couple times, and then they went home and started doing themselves. Dad got good at it too. Dad was like, I had a really stressful day at work, and sometimes I feel like I'm not appreciated at work, and I feel like they just give me more work but not more money, and it makes me feel like they don't care about me, don't like me. They were trying to use words that kids would probably feel the same way. Come to find out, all their kids could relate. The kids were like, you know what? Dad, I can relate to what you're talking about because when I was at – you know, kindergarten, you know, last year, like my teacher didn't 
noticed about my pastel colors one time. I worked really hard on it, made me feel like it wasn't appreciated. She gave this other kid a lot of attention and they did like stick figures. Like, and it was like, it was interesting for the parents that their kids were connecting personal experience and stories, relating it to their personal experience and stories. And then once they left this high low meeting, they now had better information about the people they were living around. No one knew that little Susie was insecure about something. No one knew that little Johnny was insecure about something. And also no one knew that Johnny was really excited about something, but he's too embarrassed to say that he's excited because he didn't want to jinx it. Because he was so excited he thought he'd blow it. These are six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kids that were connecting by sharing. And once they started to see the other siblings in their family were also going through, through their own things, it made them more conscious, it made them more alert, it made them more aware. Did it make them perfect angels? Hell no. Did they not say anything? Did they stop saying offensive things to each other? No, they still said offensive things to each other. They were quicker to apologize. They did it less often. And as the family did this weekly meeting, they started to find out they were learning things about their kids because their kids didn't want to keep it a secret. They actually wanted to share it. Mm -hmm. But if you try to discipline, if you try to teach them the lesson, when little Johnny and little Susie are in a drag out fight over, you know, something that doesn't really mean anything, you need to tell them how much they need to appreciate each other because one day they're going to need each other. You ain't selling nobody that. Well, no one's he, buying that. You no know, one wants to hear that noise. My youngest two are only 11 months apart. And so it's kind of this like, they're... By the way, I've done this with your two kids in the same room before. You have? With Capri and Connor? We actually do this. Um, but we kind of, we always do like highs. I don't, don't you remember? So real quick, little blast of pass. Everyone was in the room except your missionary. We did this and yeah. I told you guys to go home and do it. Right. Yeah. But the problem was, is your daughter didn't feel safe doing it with Colton at that time because he was really mean. It'd be totally different now. Right. But I remember we were talking like, man, if we would have known about this when they were really young and just start, if it's just a, yeah. if it's just one of those things, you know, every Monday night, then families can start doing it in chaos situations. So for example, once families get used to doing this, then if something does come up, then they're like, okay, let's call a family meeting. And instead of saying, okay, what's your highs and lows? Okay, let's address the issue. What's our concern? They're used to talking in turn. They're used to saying, hey, this is how it made me feel. Whether you made me feel this way or not, this is how, this is what I took from it. So they have to be modeled and trained how to express how they're feeling without attacking someone just to express themselves. Right, or in the heat of battle. In the heat of battle. So I noticed that, and this has happened multiple times, you know, Cole and Corey, super mean to Quincy most of the time, annoying little sister. But there became this one time, and, and I want to say that they were in maybe ninth and eighth and ninth grade, found out that Quincy had this kid like... I don't know, throw a rocket or, I don't know, I don't think it was majorly serious something, but these kids, oh, I remember, they called her a bad name. That's, okay, it's all coming back to me. So she was super upset and hurt, and they were like, we're going to hunt him down. And they got all riled up, and I don't think she ever has felt as loved as she did when they wanted to defend her. And... And then the same thing happened like in elementary, Capri and Connor, um, Capri's telling Connor, so, so Capri's in sixth grade, Connor's in fourth grade. Capri's telling Connor about this kid who's making fun of her and bullying her friend group. 
and Connor's like ripping out there onto the playground and getting in this kid's face to defend this group of girls, you, you know, and Capri's like, stop it, you're so embarrassing. But I think in the end, the kid actually wasn't going to mess with Connor because Connor gets pretty heated and... He meant it. Well, he didn't yeah. mean it. <laughs> the other kid was being a, a punk and Connor was like definitely meaning Connor what he was gets a weird amount of respect yeah, yeah. too. I, I can't really explain it. But anyway, I could tell that it any kind of rift that was happening between Capri and Connor, like when Connor realized Capri was hurt, he came to her rescue. And no one picks now, on my sibling except for me. <laughs> exactly. That's I mean, my right. <laughs> so, you know, I won't say that at home they became like these best friends, but Capri knew that he had her back. And you saw moments where like, okay, this is the foundation of them having a real close relationship. When it's all said and done, they will have each other's back. You know, I guess we kind of try, we've tried to do that on like a daily basis. And I like what you're saying about maybe do it in a week because. Gives you more time to have stuff that happens. More highs, more lows. It does. And I think that you can be a little bit more specific because in one day it's like, yeah, I went to work and it sucked. You know, that maybe that isn't. But in a week's time, maybe there's something pretty significant that happened in that week's time that you can really say that that was a really hard thing for me. And the highs are, are easy. It's easy. It's not easy. It's helpful to clarify to your kids or whoever you're doing this with. It's like your highs don't have to be super high. Like they don't have to be something amazing happen. Right. The lows don't have to be something horrible happen. And the who the heck knows. That's a category like that's the and or the or that we talked about in our other podcast where it leaves people the opportunity to say, like, to be continued. Like, a, a teenager came to me just, just the other day and said, yeah, um, highs and lows, and they said the to be, or not the to be continued, but the, um, the who the heck knows, was studying for a really big test, and that's as who the heck knows. And I said, why is that who the heck knows? Like, well, because I've never tried this hard for a test, so if I do really good, it's gonna make me feel really good because I tried hard. If I do really bad, it's gonna make me horrible and make me want to go back to not caring. And goes, so it's like, it was, and we'll see what happens next week. Right? We're, we're it could sure. go either way. Okay. The one that happens a lot where people use who the heck knows, like I'm dating someone I used to date. Or I got back together with an old relationship. And that's that's definitely like, this could be horrible or this could be a train wreck. I mean, or a train wreck or it could be great. So when you do the highs, you do the lows, but when then you use, use the who the heck knows, it covers all categories. Here's the things I'm confident about. Here's the things I know didn't go my way. Here's things I know went my way. But here's the things that I just need more time on. And so you really cover all the different bases because in one week, we're all going to have certain amount of things in those categories. And when we're hearing our siblings, parents, you'll learn so much from your kids. And if you don't think your kids will do it, so just try it first. It's so actually this, very simple. In this situation, is it like nobody else is allowed to talk? No one's out, uh, allowed to ask questions or make comments? Like, is it yeah. everybody has to be yeah, quiet? Yeah, so, so, so good question. To, the simpler, the better, especially if your kids are really younger, you just give them a basic version of this. I've done, you know, four, five, six years old. When you get to six is when they really start to grasp it, right? Um, but doing it weekly and having some basic rules. Some of the basic rules are when it's that person's time to talk, nobody interrupts them, no matter what. When it's your time to talk, you don't use your time to talk to challenge or say, well, that's not how that happened. They're just saying how they feel. 
then you want to guide them, instruct them. It's, it's one of the cheesiest, corniest things of all time of counseling, but it's very important to use when you're doing these little high and low discussions. When someone's saying about how they feel, they got to be make sure that they say, in my opinion, I believe I took it this way. Now, the way I see it is that, you know, they were trying to hurt my feelings. Teaching people how to express their feelings and their opinions is crucial at a young age because all too often we're expressing of feelings and opinions of other people. So, and that's not necessarily bad because human beings, we do take on the feelings and opinions of other people. But if you want your kids to be able to be independent, have their own autonomy, they need to start deciding, not deciding, but they need to start figuring out what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what makes them frustrated, what makes them you know, challenged, what makes them curious. And the best way to figure those things out is talking individually for themselves about their situation. High, low, and who the heck knows. It just gives them some different options. But if you have your kids weekly doing this, let's say you do it, I don't know, pick any day, it doesn't matter. Let's say you do it every Tuesday night. Every Tuesday night, like after dinner, it's like, yeah, highs, hoes, who, who the heck knows? The parents go, they go. Sometimes it could go five minutes. Sometimes it could go 45 minutes. It just, it just kind of let it flow, see it happens. But if you just do it consistently, you are going to learn so much about your kids that they're little small details, but man, you'll go home and write in your journal and be like, they said this today. I didn't even realize that they were even thinking about those things. That way, when they wake up three years later, you're not totally blown away that they've been having all these thoughts because on a week-to-week basis, they're going to give out little bits and pieces of information about what's really going inside their mind. So you're teaching them how to process, talk about their thoughts and feelings while they're having them, which makes it easier for them to sort out which ones they want to keep and which ones they want to yard sale and get rid of. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a great suggestion, and at least it's something that I think having this this skill of being able to sit down and talk about stuff in your family because really the stuff that goes on in your family you kind of take that out into the world right and that that becomes your skills your social skills um we all know that social skills are kind of failing out in the real world which well, they're definitely not might, evolving fast enough that's for sure <laughs> right which might indicate that they're not doing great inside our households either i think you know if your house is anything like mine we kind of all retreat to our corners, you know, this TV, that computer, this iPhone, this video game, whatever. And so this certainly, if nothing else, gives you a chance to actually learn how to have a conversation. Um, But being able to talk and share real stuff, you know, is certainly a a place to start, no matter how old your kids are, no matter what is going on in, in their lives. And it's probably a little clunky in the beginning, um, but I think that as a parent, as you take it really seriously and you share real stuff, then that will kind of pave the way. And it's from all accounts that have been brought back to me, it works way better, way faster, and is way easier than you'd think it'd be. Sometimes we make false assessments on because our kids can't sit still, because they can't do these things, that they can't do this too. Let me tell you what everybody likes at any age, talking about themselves. <laughs> You can have a shy kid, just crack the bottle, and once he starts talking about himself, they're gonna talk about themselves. But the earlier this happens, you're giving them an allowance to talk about themselves, and they don't have to be right, they don't have to be wrong, they just have to talk about how they're feeling, that's it. And then they can figure out if their feelings are in line with 
what they want or with reality. They can call themselves out on their on their own ridiculous thoughts sometimes. There are tons of young kids say something and go, man, I know it's pretty ridiculous. I should probably work on that. I'm like, did that a seven-year-old just say they should work on something? But they just realize it once they get to go through it on their own without anyone else telling them they they should or shouldn't feel that way. And with siblings, like the reason why we got this in the very beginning is the added bonus is just like one of our podcast titles before, when you relate, kills the hate. Yeah, absolutely. It's just so hard to have hateful, resentful feelings towards someone that you can actually relate to. Right. Well, I think that's a good one. So um, all of us have kids and siblings that can practice this. And so <laughs> there you go. There's your assignment for this week is to um, gather your chickens and uh, get them to relate with each other. And don't bribe them with carrot cake, is what you said? Yeah, Apparently, no carrots I didn't for like dessert. Carrot cake. Stick strictly with ice cream and chocolate cookies. Or if you really want to piss your kids off and make it go horrible, get the jello and put the vegetables in it. <laughs> at the old school. Little, little, little 4-1 for you people that are not from the 801 or are not familiar with the, the Mormon culture. Long time ago, some someone had this idea. Let's trick our kids into eating vegetables. So they took jello and put vegetables inside of jello. I remember I went to a potluck one time. My friend invited me to their church one time and they had this potluck. And so I go with him there. And I'm like, Jell-O, dude, I love Jell-O. So I, I probably took like three servings of this green Jell-O, not even realizing that there was carrots inside the Jell-O. <laughs> and I remember eating that like halfway through, it just started spitting it out. And I was like, like what? Is and my mind was like, why? Like, I thought someone was playing a joke on me. I thought it was like a prank, like at Spencer's store in the mall or something like that. Come to find out someone did it intentionally. To this day, I've never gotten over that. I'm like, why would you put vegetables Inside jello. Hey, I think mom, people moms I, go to great lengths to get vegetables inside their kids' bodies. I, I'm pretty sure that recipe has been destroyed on Pinterest. <laughs> no. I think they took that one down. Don't be so <laughs> don't, don't be, be so, so sure. Well, thank you guys as always. Um, send in your DM messages to tell them how they can reach you, Heidi. So either you go to elevatepodcasting.com and there's a link there where you can email us. You can also um, on Instagram you can go to the the Light the Fight feed, which where you can send a DM. Uh, you could also send a DM to either David or myself. And just because, you know, we like lots and lots of options, we've got lightthefightpodcast at gmail.com where you can also send um, your messages. And like I said, we're, we're not going to sell you out. We're not going to tell you who sent it. We might not even read it exactly. It might get lumped in with some other things. But it's really helping us as well. We, we love to hear what is, is kind of your struggle. We also love to hear your wins. So if you've tried something and something that you've learned, let us know because we also want to be able to, first of all, feel good about ourselves. And, <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, um, kind of share that conviction that... Um, these changes will manifest in changes in your relationship and and hopefully that that's positive. And I'm such a prima donna that if I don't get like at least three positive compliments about what we're talking about, <laughs> then I'll tell Heidi, you know, I don't know if it's worth my time. I'm not even going to do this anymore. I'm not going to do it anymore. It's like, I'm so over this. <laughs> no, I'd never do that. But we appreciate all the positive feedback or just feedback in general. 
So thanks as always, you guys, for visiting us here at Light the Fight Podcast and the DM special. And until next time, yeah, Light the Fight.